0: Hey, everybody. It is uh, good to be with you. If you're you're brand new, let me give you a heads up. You're going to continue to hear references of a thing called Easter. If that's new to you, don't feel bad. At every moment in all of our lives, we didn't know what it was. And so Easter is basically a Christian celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he died and that he came back to life. And we make a big deal about that. That's doesn't happen every day right and so we're celebrating that and by the way if you're you're like is today easter no it's not today don't Uh, but it's it's coming it's the middle of april is when it is and so we as a church are going let's make sure that we're uh, ready for that day Uh, one of the words we throw around a lot is we don't want to be a presumptuous group of people we don't want to assume onto anyone that they know exactly what a following the way of jesus christ is and so We're going to get prepared, and I'm going to take you through uh, some things that I think are significant in Scripture to get us all ready for it. Uh, So I I want to start off, though, with a part of the Bible that says something that I'm curious uh, what it does to your mind, maybe even your soul, like how it stirs you or or does it. I'm going to to take you, here we go, Uh, Acts 17, uh, the guy's talking about God to a bunch of people who aren't sure what they think about God. Maybe that's you. Uh, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, We are his offspring. Now, I'm gonna confess something for you. You, I don't know how you're, we'll see how this goes. Uh, Even though, yes, I went to school and learned how to be a pastor. I use that very, like, come on. Uh, Yes, I've had classes on the Bible and all that, but sometimes when you read the Bible, and this might be me, but I think it's all of us. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you still want, like, can you really, though, let me know what that really means? You, you been there? Okay, okay. Just, I just wanted to know if I was the only one. So that's like, so you need help. I need help. One of the ways to get some help, there's lots of tools out there. One is a, a version of the Bible called The Message. It's a paraphrase. It's not the most fantastic version to study like uh, word for word for word, but, but it's something, it paraphrases it and puts it into a language that you're like, oh, now you're speaking my language. And so I, I'm going to read this in a different version. It's, it's a paraphrase of the Bible. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the Earth hospitable, with plenty of time and space for living, so we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find Him. He doesn't play hide-and-seek with us. See if I like it? I'm like, "Oh, now I get it. Right? Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. And what I want to bring up right now is if you're any kind of normal, you've had a day where it felt like God was playing hide and seek from you. That's why I love that the Bible isn't something to be ignored. It's, it's to learn from him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. COVID, Zoom, you guys tired of that? I never knew that the Bible would continue to be this relevant to us going, God's not using Zoom with you. He's not remote, like with with you. This is good stuff. Uh, He's near. Let that go as far into your soul as you'll let it. He's near. We live and move in him, can't get away from him. One of your poets said, well, we're the God created. So that phrase that was in the first translation version that I read to you, he is not far from any one of us. Let me confess on behalf of, I think all of us, that I think every Christian I've ever met, and I know it's definitely true in my life, there's been days where it felt like he was very far from me. And if you're not careful, if, if you de- even deny that, say, you know what? Nope, I'm on fire for God every day, every second, all the time. Never, ne- I never have a down day. It's always awesome. It's just epic. I'd say maybe you're not being fully honest with yourself because even the great prophets had moments that were like, whoo, that's pretty dark there, man. You need to be encouraged. Many of us have these, however long you want to call it, moments where you want God to be close, you want him to be real, you want him to be like legit in your life, like where you're like, I want to walk with him, hear, hear from him, and have a connection to him, but whatever's going on, you're like, no, it feels like he's really far from me. He's really far. You acknowledge that he's real, but that's about as far as it goes. The, the best way I can connect dots is that, let me tell you about my marriage, I've gotten permission for this, by the way. Uh, this past week, Katie and I celebrated uh, our 19th year as a married couple. Yes. You're welcome. You're welcome. You'll just want to thank her for that. Uh, 19 years, big deal. Uh, and and I, I, I'm... I'm going to take you down a vulnerable road, if you'll, if you're going to go with me. So, I don't know what your perspective is of a pastor. I hope it's realistic. But um, uh, Katie and I are, are happily married. Like, and, and I, I'm, if you want to like, but really, you know, we we really are. Like, she is my best friend. I, I am in love with her, and actually, things right now are fantastic. But here's where I'm going to be especially vulnerable with you. All 19 years have not been what i just described to you i know some of you are like what no i'm human you are too and uh when i reflect on the 19 years because that's i get all reflective and weird right and katie and i are having some fantastic food and having a reflective conversation about how we're really doing and i'm like i really actually really like you yeah, but there have been seasons in our marriage, um, where it was uh, far more about responsibilities than it was about the relationship, and maybe you've been there too. Where if we reflected and were super honest with each other, it was more about all right, you get this kid over there. I'm gonna man the house and take care of the other ones, or, or you go to that practice, and I'm gonna to go to this recital, or, or um, okay, you cook, okay, then I'll do this. And, and what happens sometimes in marriage, I use that lightly, it happens all the time, uh, where all of a sudden, it's about fulfilling your responsibilities, and the relationship kinda of gets put back there somewhere, and you have the best of intentions, you're gonna get back to that, and maybe your contribution to that is the responsibilities, but it's really hard to get out of that, to where we begin to treat each other of, like, thank you for fulfilling your vows, but for better or for worse, uh, by not forgetting the kid at school. Like, thank you, right? <laughs> Talking about myself. Uh, and sometimes in, in, in a relationship, it's, it's about, like, did you make the meal? You're like, well, did you see me make the meal? You should know that I love you because you have food in your stomach right now, right? I'm just walking us down that sometimes, if we're not careful, we think our way of loving is simply just doing the responsibilities or just staying put, like in the sense of, well, I'm doing the vows. You know, richer or poor, I'm, I'm still here. You can see me sleeping in the same house. Sickness or health, I'm still here, right? And I don't think that God has called you and I to relationships where it's simply just about doing what you're supposed to do and just go sit in the corner after you're done. Because if that's the case, don't relationships kind of get boring and dry? and yeah? So I tell you that about our marriage <laughs> and we've learned how to not be lazy and to make sure that we pay attention to the relationship, not just the responsibilities. I bring that up because I think the same thing's relevant to you and God and me and God. Or oftentimes when it comes to God, maybe even more so than a marriage or a friendship, we treat God based on the responsibilities that we're fulfilling rather than the relationship that he's invited us into. To where sometimes, I don't know if you've ever thought this, that following God has felt like... Are you doing the right things in the right timing? Have you done any bad things? Hopefully they've all measured out. You're hoping that you have fulfilled your responsibilities. And I've been a pastor long enough. I've been with people in the moments of they're nearing the end of their life here on earth. And they're hoping that the guilt, the, the shame almost is in, I hope I fulfilled my responsibilities. Where I get the privilege of saying, you are in a, you're in a relationship. and I, th- I think going into Easter, Rather than you and I trying to get like, our best religious things in place, make sure you do your, your, your religion. What if you and I went into Easter going, how am I doing on my relationship with him? Have I, have I given some attention there? And Jesus speaks of a relationship with him differently than the language that we're using. Let me show you something in the book of Acts. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. Now, I know that never happens in today's church at all. But but some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. Now, the way, I just want you to see that this is in the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible, actually, that you're going to learn that they didn't call Christianity, Christianity, it was referred to, some in the negative and some in the positive, of the way. To, to surrender to Jesus, to follow Jesus, to be about Jesus was the way. Now, I know some of you are getting distracted because you're like, I've seen the Mandalorian. Yeah. And if you haven't, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. But you need to maybe let yourself go back to one of the ways following Jesus was referred to as was the way. Uh, There's Acts 22. It's mentioned again. I thought this, I persecuted the followers of this way. It was so well known that there were adversaries against it and people trying to actually live it out. Uh, Followers of the way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. Hence the name of this series, Along the Way. And here's where we're going to go in this series as we lead into Easter. We're gonna talk about the way of the vine, the the way of the towel, the way of the child, and the way of the table. The reason we're wording it this way is, we have got to get better about our relationship and following the way of Jesus rather than the rules and regulations. And I think it deserves our attention that as we go and prep for this moment where we as a church celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we are doing it out of relationship, not religion. You following? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to walk through and, and by the way, for those of you who are Bible nerds, I, I'm, I'm happy for you. Yes, there are more topics that we could bring up. But these are the ones I think that ought to be highlighted that lead us into Easter. So we've got to go on a field trip today. Are you ready for a field trip? Do you have your, do you have your sack lunch and your waivers? Okay. No. All right. I'm going to take you to a vineyard. When you saw the way of the vine, right? Uh, here's homework for you. This might be weird. It definitely would have been weird if I was... You, when I was young, uh, I think you should take a tour of a vineyard. Now, some of you are going to use it as a license to drink all of the wine at the vineyard. (laughs) I did not just say that. I'm suggesting, as a follower of Jesus Christ, it would do you a lot of good to take a tour of a vineyard and ask about the whole process and you will learn a significant amount of things that I think Jesus wants you to learn. Now, if you're not gonna take me up on this, I said, we're on a field trip, I'm gonna take you through, maybe not as good of a one, but a decent tour of a vineyard. So, why do I bring this up? Let's go to the Bible and we're gonna learn the way of the vine. Jesus said this, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. Now, I think it it bears mention that Way back then, when this first hearers would have heard this, uh, vine culture was, I mean, it was, it was absolute standard. They, the majority of people, if not all of them, would have understood. When he brings up vine, they're like, we know what it does. We know what's going on. This is a way of life for us. But for us, it's not so much that case. And so if Jesus were, if you, you and Jesus were like, how am in conversation today? And you were to pop some of the questions that you've been desperately hoping to ask God and to get answers from him. I hope one of them would be, Jesus, you know what, I love you. I like what the Bible says about you, but I want to feel connected to you. I think one of Jesus' first responses would be to refer to Scripture, because he did it all the time, and he referred to something he already said where he says he's the vine. He's saying he's the source of life for you, for, for me. I think day one, I think Jesus would would put in front of you going, I'd like for you to spend time with me because I am actually the source of life that you're craving. Um, Let's look at pictures. I grew up and whenever there was a book with pictures, they were just better. So I know... I know you know this, but I think the visual helps us. So just for a second, just a bit of an easy test, a a social test here. Uh, I I wonder what your eyes are looking at right now. Most of you, I'm going to guess, are like locked into the grapes. They're pretty. They're bright. Now you're mesmerized. What I want you to understand is what Jesus is saying. And he would have been saying this where likely visuals would have been abundant. He's saying, I know the grapes, they're cool, they're awesome. I mean, he's the one that produces them. But Jesus says, you, you want to follow my way? Well, what you need to know is first, I'm this vine thing. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't grow stuff. I just want you to know this. Oh, you're like, oh, I bet he's got a garden at his house. No, don't have a garden. But this, this, this vine, it should be a mental picture for you of what Jesus has invited you into to stay connected. To stay connected. We'll get more at that. So then he goes on. He's the vine, and, and Father the, is the vine dresser. But, but, but watch this, John 15, verses 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Just kind of got intense for a second. You're like, I thought this was a nice vineyard walk that we were taking, and now it's like, if there's not fruit, there appears to be punishment. If you study the original language, there's multiple ways to take this. You can you can take it as though like you quite literally get cut off Um, other words talk about how uh, supporting it back up into the vine but I think all of us understand that if you read this the way we think we typically read this is like if I don't have fruit I'm in trouble in fact sometimes that's why many of us don't go to church because we're like they're gonna bring up that I don't I haven't been doing all I should be doing and I ain't feeling guilty about it so we're just not gonna go we're not gonna be a part of I want to open up the Bible because the Bible's gonna make me feel bad about what I'm not doing And so you read a verse like this, hey, I'm the vine. You're like, oh, that's so precious, but then it moves right towards you. Better have fruit. You're like, oh, right? I'm just a normal response. Some of you right now might be thinking, yeah, you're right. i got to have more fruit in my life. i got to try harder. Anyone? Yeah. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit well, just so you know, he cuts that too. And we don't like it. So it'll be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. When we read the Bible, sometimes we don't keep reading or we think we heard what we wanted to hear or didn't want to hear and so we just move on and when you read verses like that it feels like Jesus is saying oh you want a relationship with me where I'm the vine and if you don't get fruit you're out that's what it feels like so if you grew up in this way sometimes we think Christianity is simply just trying really hard Uh, I'll tell you this uh, regularly when we have baptisms there are folks who don't want to get baptized not because they're afraid of like just like the public part of it Oftentimes, the deep fear is they're afraid that they won't be perfect the next week. They're afraid that life will get difficult and they might make some poor choices, sinful decisions and be like, oh, then I don't want to do that. I'm going to wait until I've got it all landed just right. And sometimes it's when we misread verses like this because we think that's God's approach. But you got to keep reading. And so look, look, look what he says. I highlighted it. You're going to catch a theme here. (laughs) Remain in me. Other versions talk about abide. Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Just for a second, let that encourage you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, even though many of us are going to keep trying. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He appears to have a point he's trying to bring across. I am the vine, you are the branches, just in case you mistake the roles we have in life. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. That should be encouraging. If you do not remain in me, in case you've missed the whole first part of this, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and, yes, burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, not your glory, not my glory, to the Father's glory. This is to my Father's glory, that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Did you catch the main word? remain. What I hope you understand is it did not say, oh, you want to follow me? Then it's your job to be perfect, to do everything right all the time. That's where you have to land and you can never mess up. You look at the words being used are pretty powerful, remaining. And so I'm going to ask you just to begin to process, how well have you been remaining regarding Jesus? And you're like, well, I'm not sure. So let's look at some breakdowns. This is very simple. What breaks down? consuming versus remaining. Like, what's the difference? Sometimes to understand remaining, we got to know some of the opposites. Consuming. It looks like this. Let's say you like God. You want to follow God. Maybe call yourself a Christian. Now, maybe call yourself a follower of the way. Uh, Sometimes we have to do this. God, I'm all in with you. I like you and what you have accomplished. I believe you are real and powerful. So if you would do this, then I will be a fully devoted follower of yours. Or sometimes, these are some of our, our prayers. God, will you heal Will you provide, and what our heart is actually saying in some of that, and if you don't, I'm gone, and if you do, I'm in. That's, that's consuming. And I'm not trying to make you feel shame, I'm saying that could be a reason why you don't feel like you have a great relationship with God because it's always about what has God done for you lately. And he's invited you into something much deeper than that. I'll show you another breakdown This is personally where I get caught up in all the time. Performing versus remaining. We're like, I love God. I agree with all the Bible says. This is good and locked and loaded. Let's do this. I'm going to show you how good of a Christian I can be, Jesus. I'm going to be a really good one. Would you forget when I'm not? But I'm going to be a really good one where we begin to perform, we begin to think that following the way of Jesus is being good enough and proving it over and over and over to why many of us, when we don't prove it, you know what we do? We pull away, we fall away, and we drop God for a little bit. Or can I flip it for you? I'm going to. Maybe when other Christians don't perform in the way that you want them to perform, You blame God and separate from God. Do you see how performance-driven we are? We live in a culture now. I mean, I do it with my own kids. Sorry. Um, right. uh, what are your grades at work? What's your performance review? What's your rank? Or, or maybe it's just in your home. Did you do? Did you? Did you fulfill your responsibilities? And we begin to be so performance-oriented in our relationships that we stop forgiving, we begin to disconnect, and we're no longer relationally available because it's all about performance. So let's leave Acts and go to Galatians and show you something that might help in the midst of this conversation. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is where, if, you've ever, if you're familiar with this, you're like, yep, and I work on that all the time. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. I wonder when you see a list like this. When I was younger, I would see the list and be like, mm, why did we have to put self-control in there? <laughs> now, for some of you, it might be a completely different thing. It might be, why is patience in there? And have you ever maybe you walked out of church or or read this in the Bible and you felt like your responsibility was to spend that week trying to make it better. I've got to be better self-controlled and I've got to be better with patience. Do not forget what it says at the beginning. But the Holy Spirit produces. Read the Bible correctly. But the Holy Spirit produces the fruit which brings up that remaining is a relational language. If you were sitting down with Jesus over coffee, because he for sure would drink coffee, I'm confident of it. (laughs) You know what I think he'd do first? I don't think he would talk about all the stuff that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing or all the stuff you need to add to your life. I don't think he would have brought a scroll and put it on the table and rolled it out. I think he would have done exactly what he did with his disciples. I think he would invite you into relationships. I think he would look at you and say, hey, do you want to spend some time together, like a lot? Will you follow me? Let's just, just go. And I think going into Easter, we should let this be on the forefront of our hearts. Is, am I just with God? Or does everything else have all of my attention? It's a relational language he's using. Remain, remain, remain. Uh, let's, go, let's go to another picture. I, I, again, just, just to help you visualize what's going on. Now, I, I've learned a lot about viticulture. I just want you I, the word itself, I'm very proud to say it a lot, viticulture. I have never said this ever, I think ever, but viticulture. Uh, if you get into this, now you're, you're going to want to write this down. Everyone get, gonna, okay. Uh, these grapes, um, they need the vine. You're not writing that down. <laughs> I mean, not, I mean, is that not stinking obvious, right? Like, um, yeah, grapes don't just, clusters just don't float in the air. Like, then why are we trying to follow God without the vine? If it's so obvious that grapes require the vine in order to get what they need to get to be who they're supposed to be, why are we... Ne- Why are we neglecting remaining? Why are we thinking that we can be anywhere, always, all the time, detached, doing our own things, and one day when we're maybe retired or whenever, that's when we're going to spend so much wonderful time, or when the kids are out of the home, or when the job is lighter, or whenever, or do you see what we're doing? We're bypassing the relationship, trying to have a relationship. And Jesus would say, hey, you want to follow me? Cool, let's go qualifiers. It's just, let's go. It, remaining is also an enduring language. Uh, it's an endurance language. It, to, to remain is one thing. You, you probably have had a roommate. Day one was fantastic until you learned they didn't do the dishes, right? Then you're like, get out. You're done. <laughs> or, or usually, uh, married life, they talk about the honeymoon phase, but the, the beginning parts are typically like, you're wonderful. Until, you know, some things arise. Uh, any kind of friendship, any kind of relationship, uh, if there's a relationship really happening, and the idea of remaining isn't just like saying, yeah, we're in a relationship. There's an endurance part of it. There's, I mean, you're going to have challenges, things that are come up against the whole relationship. Something is going to challenge it, and a part of remaining is knowing that endurance is necessary. So let's walk through this, because I think this is what has many of us separated from God right now. Uh, one of them could be the storm that might be in your life right now. I grew up in a part of the United States where storms were loud and fierce and you could smell them coming literally. And most of us don't wake up in the morning doing this. God, you know, you're still in bed. God, would you bring a mighty storm into my life today? Like, I want it to be so intense and so loud, I gotta change my pants multiple times throughout the day. Like, like, make, make it epically loud and fierce and scary. Would you if you're praying that, good for you. I, I don't, I don't, I pray the opposite. God, would you please part every water at all that I won't get, right? Well, here's what I've learned as I've become a student of viticulture. When a storm comes over a vineyard, do you know that God has programmed that vine to respond to the storm? And here's what happens. Uh, I'll tell you the um, low-level science of it. Uh, That vine begins to send nutrients in the midst of the storm to both the grapes and the roots. To where if you own a vineyard, if you're a vine dresser, they typically don't lament the storms like you and I lament the storms in our lives. Because the vine dresser knows, oh good, a storm. Not because they're malicious, they just know the roots can go down and the grapes can get better. Meanwhile, the devil will say, if God loved you, he wouldn't let a storm happen to you. And you know what God would say? I love you, so I'm gonna let the storm happen. It's beautiful how our almighty Father Put into creation. That's why the Bible says creation reveals the glory of God. And I know some of us right now, we're not connected to God because you got a storm going on, which the devil's used to manipulate and get you to question if God is even good to you, because how could a loving God allow this stuff to happen? And it's not because God hates you and is, and is just so angry. Oftentimes the storm is like, ooh, if they remain in me, their roots will get deeper and the fruit gets better. But so many of us don't get to that point because in the midst of the storm, we quit God. The amount of people that disconnect from God in the midst of storms is heartbreaking. So if you're in a storm right now, a better response is, God, I don't know why you're letting this happen. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. And as soon as you think it's time, would you please stop the storm? But in the midst of this storm, would you take my roots deeper and would you make my fruit better? Now, not all of us are in storms. Some of us are like, you know what? The day's actually kind of boring. That's why we need to talk about the wine barrels. Um, This is the unsexy part of a vineyard, if you don't know this. Now, nowadays, some of us are cool. and We're like, I like the cellar. It's cool looking. Uh, If you're a grape, pretend you're a grape for a second. Can you do that? Yes, I'm weird. It's fine. Uh, pretend you're a grape and you're enjoying the sunshine it's beautiful outside it's fantastic then all of a sudden someone pulls you jams you into stuff squeezes the snot out of you all of a sudden you find yourself all juicy and everything sitting in a barrel doing nothing that's the life of a grape you're welcome And you know enough, I think, probably about wine to know that you just sit there. And actually, the longer you sit there, apparently, the better you get. But I think there's a lesson there. That's why I'm telling you, take a field trip. Because some of us are in a barrel season right now. Just having to sit there. And you're like, God, where's the adventure? I remember that one time spiritual high, camp was awesome. But now it's like, but I'm just kind of doing the thing and it's not like it used to be. We do this in regular relationships. Couples will say, we just grew apart. The fire didn't seem to be there anymore. You're actually in a barrel season, not a season to end each other. Sometimes we come to church, not that this is you, this is other churches probably, but let's just say you come to church and you're like, you know, I got to have the sermon hit this way and the music, they better have a fantastic list of songs that we're going to sing. And they need to say everything that I need. And sometimes you leave church going, yeah, I did, none of that really felt like it was for me. When God's like, it's barrel time. I need. Endurance is sometimes not sensing and feeling the adventure because of what God's doing in you. And around you. Back to where we started. He is not far from any one of us. He's not. But the storms and the barrel sometimes make us feel like he is. I uh, read a book, written about a lot of this from Beth Moore, and she says this. If you need a little bit of tactical application with this sermon, I thought this might be, give us some of us w- where we are. When you begin to feel lifeless in him, look for the tourniquet that's cutting off the life flow. Most often we'll find it in earthly ties that are cinched too tightly. If you want to know why you don't sense the presence of God and it feels like, I don't know, I'm I'm not with God, it doesn't feel like we're close, I know the Bible says that he's near me, okay, cool, I'm not saying it's not true, I just don't feel it. Then if you want a practical, then just begin to examine and say, God, do I have anything of this world that I'm so attached to that i have like let it demand all of my time and my treasure and, and my talent to where I'm not connected to you? Just a good application, but we can't land the sermon there. There's one last thing I, I wanna bring up because of this whole topic demands it, and it's so pivotal because some of us right now, this whole talk about being close to God, being in a relationship with God, just so you know, a church like us, there's many of us going, I've never been in that kind of thing you're talking about, pastor. Like, So let's land here. Uh, we're back to viticulture. And oftentimes, a vine dresser will take a branch and graft it into the vine. Like they do, you can, you can, well, thank you for YouTube. You can go find out, you can watch all this stuff or take your field trip to a vineyard. But they take this branch and they graft it in. There's multiple reasons they'll do this. One of them is they can actually produce a very special kind of grape unique to that vineyard. It's a, it's a really awesome thing that happens. It doesn't become like some secondary, like, Blah branch? No, it gets grafted in. But what's cool about this, if you understand viticulture, when that branch gets jammed into the root, taped there so it doesn't fall off, do you know who then bears the responsibility of getting that thing in? Not the branch, it's the vine. The only way, the only way that that branch survives, has any sort of life, is the vine, the vine must do all of the work getting all of the nutrients to that branch, making sure that everything that branch would ever, 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 ever need gets to the branch. And the branch just waits for it. If you've never invited Jesus into your life and started following the way, you do not need to get your life in order. You do not have to quit certain things and stop certain things and say, okay, once I get all of that all cleaned up and, and, and lined up, then I can have a relationship and be grafted into the family of God. What Jesus would tell you is, no, I don't care what you did last night, let's go. Come on. And I assure you along the way, he'll address what needs to be addressed in your life because it'll be unique to you likely. And I love that we are a church that some of us will see some of us show up and be like, you're in church. Awesome. That's who we need to be. Because we follow a Savior who loves anyone and everyone and anyone who's willing to believe in him and trust in him, he will graft them in. Why? Well, John 15, let's finish here. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. He loves you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this not to sign you up for religion class. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So I get to tell you in conclusion that God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And step number one of following Jesus is following Jesus. Just being with him as much as you can be with him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to give some of us an opportunity that maybe maybe you have never had this opportunity. If you've ever wanted to speak to God and say, God, I want to be grafted in. I want to be a part of your family. I want to be one of your children. I want to be in your family. And you can speak this to him. You can just do it completely privately because he hears your thoughts. God, will you graft me in? I want to be a part of you. I want to be in your vine. God, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you supply everything I ever need and bear fruit through me. God, I give you every corner of my life and just ask that you take over. Would you wash my sins, cleanse me, purify me? I want to be with you, following you, all about you. God, I pray for our whole church, that we be a group of people. God, help us to not let the, the storms and the barrel seasons stop us from remaining with you. If any of us are on the verge, Lord, of quitting you, would you just halt that today? Would you intervene today? Wherever, wherever we find ourselves today in this week, Lord, would you just step in and say, I'm, I want you to be with me. I want to walk with you. I want to be in a relationship. God, would you remind us of the relationship you want with us? And Lord, for those who would be willing to hear about you, would you give us opportunities to share? God, thanks for grafting us all in.